listen more and talk less. Really, truly listen to people, hear what they are saying, even if you disagree with what they're saying. And then think about how you're going to respond to what they have to say, as opposed to just waiting for them to be quiet so that you can say whatever it is that you want to say. A lot of conversations these days often are ones in which there's just a lot of talking and not a lot of listening and people walk away completely forgetting about the whole conversation because they were never engaged in it to begin with. Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead, a podcast that challenges the notion that the law lags behind. I'm your host, Sigal Barnes. Each week, I invite a lawyer who's making powerful changes through extraordinary leadership. In each episode, we'll travel through another lawyer's life, identify what they do best, and then devise how to apply these concepts to your own world. So let's get to it. Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead. I'm your host, Sigal Barnes. Our guest today is the director of Legal at Mulback, a contract lifecycle management program that provides lifecycle AI functionality to improve an organization's contracting process. This lawyer is dedicated to educating and inspiring others about the benefits of legal tech. His goal is to empower individuals with the legal ecosystem to thrive in the ever-evolving world of technology. He is also a frequent speaker and content contributor and has been published on various law outlets, including Above the Law, Law Law.com, and Bloomberg Law News. Please welcome our next lawyer who leads, Colin Levy. Colin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I would love to start this episode with a little bit of gratitude and give our listeners a little slice of life from you. So if you can just share, what is your favorite moment so far today? I would say actually my favorite moment today probably has been speaking with you because I love talking about legal tech and the stuff I'm interested in. And it gives me a real sense of ownership and joy to be able to kind of share what I have kind of picked up and learned over the past few years. So let's start it off with your lawyer origin story. How did it all begin for you? Sure. Began rather haphazardly a little bit because when I graduated from law school at the time, the legal industry in jobs in the legal industry were hard to come by. The legal industry was just emerging from the Great Recession. And so it was definitely tough to find work. And on top of just a challenging employment environment, there was the fact that I had no experience and was trying to work in-house because I did not want to work for a law firm. So that made for a rather challenging period of time, which looking back meant that I was actually taking on a number of different temporary roles for about a year and a half or so until I found my first full-time job because I was facing the fact that I didn't have experience and to have experience, I needed a job and to have a job, you had to have experience. So it was a catch 22. And I realized, okay, if I'm not going to find a full-time job, I'll at least find work that has opportunities for me to be exposed to those things that I would need to have exposure to do well in a permanent full-time role. Meaning jobs focused on contracts and documents and that type of thing. Cause I was very focused on being in-house attorney focused on corporate transactions, which meant a lot of document work and drafting and what have you. So that's where a lot of my work came from. But during the course of those jobs, and then actually during the course of my first full-time job, I realized how little use of technology there was 
And I thought to myself, other industries are making great use of technology. And yet the legal industry seems to act as if we're living in the 1920s or 30s and just struck me as very odd. And I thought, I can't be the only person who thinks this way. Or maybe I was, but I needed to know one way or the other. So I took it upon myself to try to find others who were interested in this area and in the intersection between technology and the practice of law and business of law. And I found some folks, was lucky enough to be able to have some conversations with them, which helped me learn about the space. And as I learned more about it, I wanted to have more conversations to learn even more. And that's really kind of what set me off on this journey that I've now been on. Do you mind me asking when you graduated from law school? <laughs> Not at all. I graduated in 2010. Okay, so that's when I graduated. As I was hearing your story, I was like, oh, this sounds just like me. I bet you graduated in 2010. And I think you actually encapsulated that really perfectly, that feeling of just being like, what is going on? How do I start working? Also, knowing that you didn't want to go into a law firm, how did you know that right away? I mean, some people have to go through those pain points. And a lot of times, Law schools are creating a funnel towards that. How did you know, you know what, that's not for me. I want to go in-house. Well, first of all, I just was in touch with people who have been at firms or who had just entered law firm life. And what I was hearing was not what I was interested in. Obviously, long hours, doing a lot of kind of the same type of work, not having a whole lot of control over one's schedule, one's life or one's you know, anything. And that just really wasn't appealing to me. And plus, I also went through the on-campus interviewing process, which did not go well and was essentially a waste of my time. And I thought this just reinforces exactly my view of me not wanting to work for a law firm. To your point about law firms and law schools, yes, there is definitely a very strong pipeline between law schools and law firms that I think are economically beneficial for both, which is why they exist. And for me, I just wanted nothing to do with that. That was just not me at all. I wanted to be closer to a business. I wanted to be more data-driven. I always had a little bit of a more quantitative kind of angle in terms of how I thought about things. So yeah, the law firm world was just a world that I really just was low to have anything to do with. You mentioned you were going to take on a bunch of temporary roles in the meantime. How did you go about doing that? Because it was a super difficult time to find anything. <laughs> so I'm curious, just because I want to, you know, for other people that are going through that struggle now in one way or another, I'd love to hear your approach so that maybe other people can gain some insights from that. Yeah. So I recognize that, first of all, because I know experience, I had to do things that perhaps were a little more administrative or menial or what have you. And so I thought, okay, well, that's fine. I need to get some work somehow and be exposed to something. I also realized that, look, if I were in the position of hiring someone with no experience, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have them do any kind of super high risk strategic work either because they don't know what they're doing. So, uh, you know, while it wasn't necessarily fun work to do, I also recognized because of those two things that I had to accept what I could get. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I did a couple things. One is I reached out to anyone I knew who was either a recruiter or who worked somewhere that I potentially wanted to work or learn more about and just engaged them all and had conversations and learned about what they did and just found myself getting some work as, you know, reviewing documents for ongoing litigation or doing some contract administrative work or what have you. And 
I just knew that, look, even though all these things were not the most enjoyable things to do, I was A, getting paid for them, and B, gaining some skills I then could eventually parlay into presenting myself as someone capable of fulfilling a more full-time role. So that's what I did. That's great. And I think, you know, in general, when you're entering like a legal business, you're starting to learn the business itself, you're understanding the dynamics, you're understanding the issues. So even beyond, let's say, your specific role, you're getting exposed to so many things within the business as well that I think are also very beneficial. So that's great. Absolutely. So let's talk about the moment or at least the many moments in which it led up to you understanding, you know what, there's a big divide here between technology evolution outside the legal industry and within. Sure. So it really, I think, began in earnest when I, during my first full-time role, actually was part of a small team tasked with creating and implementing a kind of fairly bare bones contract management system for the legal department and for other business leads to use. As I, my team went about doing that work, I realized none of us know what we're doing. We're assuming that people work in a certain way and therefore putting those assumptions into something and hoping that it would work. And it wasn't really a huge success. I mean, quite frankly, it was kind of a failure. And that actually was very educational for me and very inspiring for me because I saw, look, first of all, the way that everything was went about was backwards. We were creating before we were planning. We were putting in place things before we mapped things. And that was just backwards. And second of all, we hadn't really talked to anyone about what we were doing. We just went about doing it. And that was a huge mistake because when you're creating something that others are going to be using and will be impacting their process, you want to know how they work, where their pain points are and understand them and have them be a part of the process from the start. And because we didn't do that, we were met with resistance and a flawed solution that didn't really solve the, the problem we were trying to solve for. And so. That kind of really instilled in me this idea of people, process, and tech kind of making up these three pillars of an effective way to go about putting in place a new solution. And you can't have one be further ahead of the other two. You have to have all of them be benefiting one another, have all three be aligned from start to finish. Absolutely. And a lot of the principles that you're talking about are just super important principles around strategy and leadership, right? You have to understand the strategy before you start implementing. You have to have a clear understanding of what's going on, that, you know, there was this failure and you learned from it, learning from failure, being inspired by that, not being fearful of it. And then also you need people to be part of that process so that they're bought in when the actual system is put into place. So I just love all three of those insights. I think it's really important for our listeners to understand that these are great pillars in order to really implement things that are new and innovative. So I want to get into what you do today. Sure. I wear a number of different hats from Olbeck because we are a startup, but effectively as director of legal, I'm their one and only lawyer. So I do manage the legal function for them, reviewing contracts, addressing data privacy, addressing other contractual questions that come up, addressing sort of different initiatives that we want to do and ensuring that they're all done the right way. But also, in addition, I'm also the evangelist from Wallbeck, meaning that I also assist with marketing and sales efforts, writing content, assisting with content creation efforts, assisting with reach out to community building efforts around Wallbeck, 
which are all really fun activities to do and balance out my role because I'm not just doing legal stuff. I'm doing a variety of different things. Malbec is a contract management solution provider. So we create a software solution that helps legal departments manage their contracting process and their contracts from start to finish, from drafting and negotiating to managing to tracking and, and everything in between. And it's been really a fun role to have and it's a unique one in that it touches so many different parts of the business. And it seems like all of your experience beforehand has really informed everything that you're doing today from Malbec. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's no way I would be prepared for this role had I not had the experience I have had in the past. So I know that this is a topic that is just constantly being discussed, but I think it's important for us to discuss. So being that you're in legal tech, being that Malbec is a contract and process related technology, how is AI fitting into all this for you? Sure. So certainly we use elements of artificial intelligence to assist with parts of sort of the functionality that we offer through our solution. As others do as well that are in the space. And really that kind of goes just the fact that artificial intelligence at this point is really just sort of another set of technologies that are here to assist you so that you can better spend your time more effectively and more productively. Uh, but it can't do everything for you, but it can certainly, you know, help you do things and or take over doing some things that you otherwise would probably spend time doing that perhaps might be better spent on other things. How are you seeing AI helping you in the community outreach part of your job? It, it's helping me, I think, because I'm learning so much about it, I'm able to share what I'm learning with others. And that, I think, is helping me connect with others because I'm the type who cuts through the hype and the noise and tries to be very realistic and grounded about technologies like artificial intelligence and kind of their capabilities as well as their limitations. I love that. I think it's such an important piece is that teaching is the best form of learning. And as we continue to delve in and teach, we learn and deepen our own understanding of things. And I always think if I can't articulate it and teach it to others, I just don't know it well enough then. Absolutely. That's a marker for me in terms of being able to speak about these things is I feel uncomfortable speaking about them. There's no way I'm prepared right. in any way to be sharing insights about these things. I want to touch on one more thing before we get to the rapid fire questions. I think our roles are similar in the sense that we both are very like community based. Um, we want to make sure that people understand and we like educate people around our respective organizations. Um, and it's a really interesting role that I think is emerging more and more. If there was someone that was, let's say, practicing or was in the legal industry or let's say graduating from law school that wanted to do this kind of work for an organization, what's some advice that you would give them? I would say that perhaps the, the number one thing is to be very clear about the value proposition you're bringing to an organization. In other words, what is it about you that's unique that you can bring to the table? But in addition, I would suggest really kind of evaluating what it is that you want to do. What's your passion? What, what brings you joy? And try to help wrestle with that idea so that you can then articulate it to a company in terms of, I really love to do this, but it's not just because I personally love to do it, but I love to do it because it helps me and can help you do X, Y, and Z. Because I really think there needs to be that connection made because working for companies are great, but they need to see value in you and value that you bring to the table that they can't get elsewhere. Agreed. The business case, right? What's the business case for doing that as well? Absolutely. And personalize the business case. Bring your experience into it. There's no reason for 
making a business case sounds very impersonal, but doesn't need to be, nor should it be. It really should be something that's personalized and specific to you. Are there any KPIs or measurements of success that you could share around this kind of stuff that people could perhaps offer up as a business case? That's a really interesting question. I, I think one KPI to look at is community reaction to what you offer, to what you say, the relationship you build, the types of relationships you built. I think all of that can point to your ability to connect and inspire others. Thank you, Colin. So let's get into some rapid fire questions before we end. So first and foremost, what does leadership and law mean to you? Sure. Leadership and law for me means being curious about the world, being interested in learning more about the world and being open to innovating and experimenting with the world and what exists and what could exist. And then finally, it means being empathetic, meaning, meaning understand that other people are not necessarily going to be as excited or as into those things that you are excited about and want to bring to the table. And you have to meet people where they are. That means really understanding their motivations and why they perhaps might be hesitant about something that you otherwise are not hesitant about. Excellent answer. I love that. What is something that other lawyers seem to misunderstand about the work that you do? I think that a lot of people think that I either just talk a lot or I just review contracts all day long and both things are part of what I do, but they are not everything and far from it. Talk more about that. Sure. I talk on podcasts like this one that I'm on. I write blog posts. I speak at conferences, but I'm also building relationships with others as well. I'm really learning about what they're doing, how I potentially could help them or how my company could help them. And then on the legal side, I'm looking at not just agreements, but helping people figure out ways to connect with others, ways to build relationships, as well as other things like privacy compliance with various regulatory regimes and laws that may apply to the work that we do or that we're trying to do. If there was one thing you could change about the legal industry, what would it be? One thing? Um, I think I would change perhaps the number of people that feel like to be an effective lawyer means you have to be a jerk. And I feel like the legal industry has long promoted this false idea of a lawyer being this kind of asshat part of the expression. And my whole view is you don't need to be that way to be successful in law, nor should you be that way to be successful in law. I find it fascinating because I, you know, I work in legal education and CLE and a lot of the state CLE rules focus very deeply on learning about civility and professionalism. And they're fairly older regulations. Um, and yet they don't seem in line with this kind of tough exterior that's mean and rude and needs to do everything in, in the name of advocacy for your client. So I agree. I think there needs to be a lot more emphasis on that. And uh I'm hoping that will be a shift we'll be seeing a lot more of coming up. I'm trying to do my best to bring that to the table. I think you do, for sure. What is one piece of practical advice you can give to our listeners? These are leaders and future leaders in law. I think the one piece of advice I would have is listen more and talk less. Really, truly listen to people, hear what they are saying, even if you disagree with what they're saying, and then think about how you're going to respond to what they have to say, as opposed to just waiting for them to be quiet so that you can say whatever it is that you want to say. I think that a lot of conversations these days often are ones in which there's just a lot of talking and not a lot of listening. 
and people walk away completely forgetting about the whole conversation because they were never engaged in it to begin with. Yes. Active listening, taking the moment to really think about what the person is saying. And I find that also trying to be mindful of any um, filter in which you're listening from and suspend any preconceived assumptions or notions. Or quite frankly, you don't even have to try to get rid of the filter, but just acknowledge it when you're talking, when you're responding is acknowledge your view and the fact that you perhaps may be being led astray by that lens or perspective. The more I think we can acknowledge our own inherent biases, I think the more we can connect with others because they notice that we're self-aware of ourselves and the views that we bring to the table. And I think that brings a lot more authority when we're able to acknowledge those biases. Absolutely. Wonderful. Last uh, question. What do you do for self-care? So I like to be outdoors. We were just in Colorado on vacation, so I love the mountains. I also love to listen to music and sometimes I'll just, just not for anything for anyone else, but just to write, to get thoughts out of my head. Yeah. One of the things I was reading about is that journaling specifically is just for you. And it's when it's just for you, it's all about just being as honest and truthful as possible because a lot of us write thinking someone will read it one day. And so we still have some sort of filter when we think that way. Even if you rip up what you wrote right away afterwards, there's something really important about pouring yourself out in that way. Absolutely. For sure. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Colin. I really appreciate it. If someone wanted to reach out and connect with you, what's the best way they can do that? Sure. So there's three ways. Uh, One is through LinkedIn, just under my name. Choose by going to my website and contact me that way, colinslevy.com, C-O-L-I-N-S-L-E-V-Y.com. I'm also on Twitter, clevity underscore law. And those are probably the three best places to uh, get in touch with me. Wonderful, Colin. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, leaders and future leaders, for listening today. We have a new guest every week, so don't forget to join us next week. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe or follow us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also follow at Lawyers Who Lead on social. Let's celebrate and continue to build a community of leaders in law together. Lawyers Who Lead is made possible by Lawline, the leading online platform for lawyers who want engaging, relevant CLE and professional growth content. For over 20 years, Lawline has helped hundreds of thousands of attorneys level up by providing award-winning courses in hard-to-find areas and high-demand fields. They have so many courses to choose from that are actually really interesting to listen to and watch. That's why Lawline's rated the highest in the industry, with almost five stars and over a thousand verified reviews on Trustpilot. Lawyers who lead listeners get $100 off Lawline's unlimited annual subscription, which means you can take as many courses as you want for a really good price. Just visit lawline.com slash podcast to get the special offer. Check out Lawline for the best content for leaders and future leaders in legal.